0: Well, let's open up in word of prayer, and then we'll dig into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the hope of heaven, hope of eternity in your presence. And so Lord, tonight we just come with anticipation to uh, see what your word tells us about eternal heaven, where we will spend all of of eternity with you. So Lord, just open our eyes to see tonight. Help us to uh, imagine where imagination is, is needed. But, uh, Lord, everything that we we build on, everything that we imagine should be grounded in your Word. So, Lord, just help us to see it in your Word, and from that, uh, gr- uh, have a greater understanding of what you have in store for us. So, Lord, bless our time together. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, tonight we are beginning to look at eternal heaven. So, we've we spent last our last two sessions in uh, present heaven what heaven is like right now but now we're going to move into eternal heaven so where we're headed to for all of eternity now there's a favorite hymn some of you may like this hymn Uh, this world is not my home i'm just a passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue the angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We like to sing that, it makes us feel good. Uh, what if I told you, though, that that uh, song, that hymn, is partially true? <laughs> what would you think about that? Heresy. Heresy. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Anything else I mean I'm a heretic but <laughs> we, we kind of have that idea that this world is not our home we're just passing through and, and our home is really heaven uh, and that is true in, in some sense so that's why I say it's partially true right uh, we're not to lay up treasures on earth we're to lay up treasures in heaven uh all of that's true all that's good and right uh we are to to not think of this world as it is as our home but what about eternity what about for all of eternity might this world be our eternal home not the way it is now but in the future when god makes all things new eternal heaven tonight this is what we're going to find out eternal heaven is a restoration of creation. Eternal heaven is a restoration of creation of the world and the universe as we know it. It's a uh, restoration of creation. Tonight we are talking about eternal heaven. And really what we're getting at is the doctrine of the new heavens and the new earth as Scripture refers to several times throughout, Old Testament and New Testament. So uh, where will we spend all of eternity? Where will we spend all of eternity? Uh, I've entitled this lesson, of course, Eternal Heaven, Returning to Eden. Uh, Returning to Eden. And so hopefully that kind of gives you some kind of foresight of of where we're going to head with this and what we're going to discover so I want to help you better imagine what eternity will be like. Because we, we have this, we can let our imagination run sometimes, uh, but, and that's good. God gave us an imagination to imagine things, imagine what the world will be like, what heaven will be like. But when we ground our imagination in scripture, how much farther can we, we go? So I want to help you to fuel your imagination to really imagine eternal heaven and what it will be like. So uh, last time we looked at, the last several times we looked at present heaven, where it is, it's up. What it is, it's a place. Who's there? God and all of his angels and all the Christians who've, all the believers who've, Parted, left of this world, and gone on to be with the Lord. They're all in heaven. We also said that uh, you know Satan and demons visit it from time to time. Uh, now, don't let that alarm you. You're not going to have to. Uh, you're not going to be mingling with Satan and the and the demons. It's it's not going to be like that. There's no more temptations. There's no more. Uh, they're not going to hurt you in any way. Uh, they'll just be like you know visiting. Uh, dignitaries to the the capital city, right? They're just coming to see God and then they go right out. That's that's it. So no interaction there, but they will be there from time to time in present heaven. Um, The place is unimaginable with unimaginable joy. You know, that's what we feel there. That's what we experience there. Unimaginable joy. Yet there's this longing, right? There's a longing that's still there because there's more to come. That's not, that longing doesn't uh, hinder our joy, not one bit. It's kind of like me, I kind of have a longing to go to the Holy Land. I, I'd love to go and, and see where Jesus walked and talked and, and did all of these things and died for my sins. I'd love to go, I long to go there, but that doesn't hamper my joy here and now, right? And so it's that same kind of longing. You're longing for, for something more in present heaven Absolute joy, you're in the presence of the Lord. But you know, there's something, there's something even better coming. And, and that's what that, that longing is for. And tonight we're, we're looking at what we're actually longing for. Uh, the eternal heaven, what we're longing for. We're going to be mainly, or we'll, we'll, of course uh, in a topical study like this, we're going to have to be going through all kinds of scripture. Uh, our, my main text, I guess you could say, is in Revelation chapter 21 and 22 kind of bouncing back and forth between those two uh, ver- chapters. Uh, there's a lot of other verses that I'll be going through. I put them on the back of your handout. So if you can read it, because <laughs> it is small print, I uh, had to make it small to get it all on there. Most every, all, most all my other scriptures besides the, the passages in Revelation are on the back there. So if you can read it, follow along. If you can't, Get some super magnifiers and use it for reference later on and further study. So tonight I just want to start because i always love to start by reading scripture. So Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 4 to, to get us into our study tonight. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So as we we think about that, that text of Scripture, Revelation 21, 1 through 4, uh, we can say that this is the omega, right? This is the end. But as we get into our study of eternal heaven, I want us to first jump back to the alpha, to the beginning, and think about God's creation. And what we see in the uh, alpha is that God created the heavens and the earth in perfection. God created the heavens and the earth in absolute perfection. This was His great design. You go back to Genesis chapter 1, and you don't have to turn there, but you go back to Genesis chapter 1, and you see the story of creation, and God creates the heavens and the earth, and it goes all the way through the six days of creation, right? So day one, day two, day three, and every time that God creates, He creates the sun and the moon, the the oceans, the earth, the dry land, all of these things, and at the end of each day, He looks at what He has created that day, and He says, it's good. Right. It's good. But then on the sixth day, when he he creates mankind in his own image and his, in his own likeness, when he creates them male and female in his own image and his own likeness, God looks at everything that he's made and he says, what? It's very good. Genesis chapter one, verse thirty one. And God saw everything that he had made. All the heavens, all the earth, everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So God, when he finished creating the heavens and the earth originally, he created it and it was perfect. It was very good. It wasn't just good. It was very good. It was absolutely perfect. This is what God's design for the heavens and the earth was. To be absolutely perfect with mankind having dominion over the earth. And so it was very good. Now what happened? Sin came into the world, right? And so when sin came into the world, creation was corrupted by sin. It's Adam and Eve who, who uh, took, partook of the forbidden fruit. They disobeyed God. Instead of following the word of God, they followed the temptation of Satan and they fortook of the forbidden fruit, and sin came in the world, and death through sin, and all died because all sin, Romans tells us. Right? So sin came into the world, and it corrupted God's perfect creation. God created it perfect. There was no death. There was no decay. There was none of that stuff. But mankind allowed sin to come in. Because mankind had dominion, right? The mankind had dominion and he was given the choice. You can follow God or you can follow your own way. And man decided, well, I think I'm going to follow my own way. And they allowed sin to come in and corrupt, to taint God's perfect creation. So because of sin, death came into the world. Because of sin, decay came into the world. Because of sin, sickness came into the world. God didn't intend it to, for it to be corrupted. He allowed it to be corrupted. God's intention was for it to be very good, for it to be perfect. Sin came in and corrupted creation. Furthermore, sin uh, through sin, creation was subjected to futility. It was subjected to futility. <clears throat> this is not on your handout because I just decided at the last minute to read this, but I, I think it is important to, to see this. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam's sin, God comes and confronts Adam and Eve and the serpent. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 14, says, The Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, casting that fatal blow, and you shall bruise his heel. Of course, we know that's the, uh, the first annunciation, and the announcement of the gospel, right? And we see Christ, the seed of the woman, coming to strike the fatal blow to, to the serpent, to Satan, to sin, to death. Uh, but we also see there what happens Creation is subjected to futility. Now there's enmity between mankind and the rest of creation. Now the serpent's out after man's seed, right? There's there's this enmity between man and creation. Let's go on. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Another again, there's enmity in the household, in the family. There, there's division there. There's strife in the household. This relationship that was created to be perfect, a perfect union, as now till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for your dust and to dust you shall return and so here's the creation subjected to futility the ground did not used to produce thorns and thistles and, and the weeds right uh, but because of sin all of creation not just man But all of creation, the plants, the trees, the ground, the animals were all subjected to futility. The world around us has been corrupted and subjected to futility because of sin. And today, creation now groans to return. Creation groans now to return, to find that perfection again. All of creation wants to get back to very good, the way God created it, the way God intended it to be. In Romans chapter 8, verse 22 and 23, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. All of creation, not just man and woman, not just mankind, all of creation has been groaning together even until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, looking for that resurrection day, right? So all of creation groans, all of creation, the animals that we see out, the little squirrels as they're jumping around, they're groaning to return back to that perfect creation, The trees that die around us and are are decaying around us, they're groaning to get back to very good, God's perfect creation. So all of creation is longing for God's perfection again. So God created the heavens and the earth in perfection and all creation now groans in hopeful expectation because... God's plan is the restoration of the heavens and the earth. God's plan is the restoration of the heavens and the earth. We see that uh, many places in Scripture. We see it come out in different ways. First of all, uh, we note in Scripture that God tells us that creation will be refined. His intention is to refine creation to refine creation. Uh, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a, a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, when we think about that verse, and a lot, a lot of people will say this verse, well, that's why we, we can think about, you know, this, the heavens and the earth that we know it, they're just going to burn away. They're just not, they're, they're going to be done with. They're going to go away. There's not, they're going to be no more. Well, is that really what he's saying in this text? Is that really all that fire is good for? Right? It, it, fire is to purify. Absolutely. When we think about fire, fire is meant to purify. Contrast that with our verse that we just read. All of creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons, sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected, subjected it. And hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now, this creation groaning to be completely destroyed? No, that wouldn't seem to be very logical, would it? Uh, the trees are not groaning to be completely destroyed. The, the ground is not groaning to be completely destroyed, but they are groaning to be refined, to have all the sinful things, all the, all the traces of sin that are in the world. That's what's going to be burned up. Yes, it's going to be a purifying fire. God is a consuming fire. His fire is going to come out on the earth. It's going to run through the heavens to purify the heavens and the earth. Think about my, my rings here: have my wedding ring and my Marine Corps ring. Now, those rings are, uh, believe it or not, they're not pure gold, right? Uh, those are not pure gold. Both of these rings are 10 karat gold. Now, 10 karat means that they're 41.7 percent gold. Less than 50 percent of these rings are gold, right? Uh, if you have a 14-karat gold ring, that means 58.5% of the ring or whatever you have is gold. 24-karat gold is 99.95% gold. And so we don't really have anything that's pure gold. But when, if you want to purify gold, if I wanted to extract all the gold in these two rings and just have some pure gold, what would I do? I would melt it. I would put it in the fire. I would put it in the fire. I would do that to refine it, to, to get out all of the, the dirty elements, all the, the cheap metal that's in it. I'd, I'd want to melt it away so that all that I'm left with is the pure gold. And so when Scripture talks about God, Sending his fire out to dissolve heaven and earth. What he's talking about is dissolving away all the, uh, all the traces of sin that are here and in heaven. Uh, we have to, All of it has to be refined. Every, every, every sign of sin must be destroyed, every sign of sin must burn away. It's going to be refined. God's going to take care of that. So, yes, when we look out at our at creation and we see all these fancy houses that we tend to, to idolize, when we see vehicles that we tend to idolize, when we see the material things of this world that we tend to idolize and put over God and our family and all of these things, yes, all of those things are going to be burned up. They're going to melt away. But that doesn't mean all of creation is going to be burned up and this old world, this celestial ball which God created in the beginning is going to be no more. No, this is going to be the place. Earth is going to remain, but it will be purified. It will be refined by God's fire. So creation will be refined, but second of all, creation will be restored creation will be restored and this is what we see again and again through scripture Acts chapter 3 verse 21 reads like this Christ whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago so Christ in his return Is coming to restore all things, not destroy all things, not wipe out all things, not completely uh, dissolve the the heavens and the earth, but to restore all things. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 through 29. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. So God shaking the heavens and the earth, this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving the, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for. Our God is a consuming fire. So what is he shaking out of the heavens and the earth? The impurities. impurities. He's shaking out every sign of sin. Satan will be no more. His demons will be no more. Sinful humanity will be no more. All of the things that we idolize will be no more. All of the impurities will be shaken out and cast into hell. But what is pure and holy, that is what will remain. Revelation 21, 5. And he who is seated on the throne, that's Jesus, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So Jesus says, I'm making all things new. I'm restoring them. I'm restoring them. Restoring them to what? Not a trick question. Restoring them to what? Perfection. Perfection. We're going back to Eden, right? We're going back to perfection. God's perfect creation. That was his intention in the beginning. And ever since the fall, through Noah, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through David all the way to Christ, God has been working on a plan of restoration, of redemption and restoration, making all things new in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God's plan is the restoration of all things in Christ. So God created the heavens and the earth in perfection. And better still, God's plan is the returning of Eden. It's the returning of Eden. Man, I love this. When you begin to look at Genesis and the Garden of Eden and then looking at Revelation chapter 21, 22, oh, you really begin to see this. This picture really becomes evident. Pre-fall, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, before the fall, Here's what is said. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put a man, uh, there he put the man, put Adam, whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is planted, uh, excuse me, every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. So that's pre-fall. Pre-fall, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden and he plants the tree of life and there's this river of life ro- rolling out of the garden to, to feed, to hydrate, the rest of creation. Postfall what takes place. Genesis chapter 3 verse 22 24. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. That's what took place in the beginning. That was the Alpha. There was the tree of life and the river of life, Flowing in Eden, sin came in the world, and God said, out, get out of here. And he took away Eden. No longer is man allowed to go into Eden. But then, Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Notice that. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, out, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Isn't this wonderful? What happens here when Christ returns? heaven comes down to earth heaven comes down to earth and and that's what happens with the eternal heaven eternal heaven is a time when there's not this separation between heaven and earth right now we we can't see heaven It's it's up there somewhere, right? It's in another dimension somewhere. We can't go there. We can't visit there. We can't see there at all. But in Revelation, when Christ returns, after the great white throne judgment, after all of that takes place, heaven comes down to earth. Heaven's dimension opens up and, and comes into or devours the dimension that earth is now in. And now heaven is now on earth and, and combined with earth. Heaven comes down to earth. And then look over in verse, uh, chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. I know we're skipping a good bit here, but we don't have time to cover all of that tonight. Chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, notice what he says there. Then the angel showed me the river of life, uh, the river of the water of life bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the streets of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their forehead, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So heaven comes the earth, and not only does heaven come to earth, Eden returns. Eden returns. Here we have the same picture we started with in Genesis. The tree of life is there. The river of life is flowing out of the throne room of God, bringing life and vitality to all the earth. The tree of knowledge and good of the knowledge of good and evil—it's gone. It's ripped out because now there's no temptation to sin. There's no uh, no even the chance of sin. We don't have the ability to sin anymore. It's wiped out. It's gone. All we have is the tree of life and the river of life flowing out of the throne room of God. We're returning to Eden. Except for this time, Eden's not just a garden. It's the celestial city, the city of God, where God will sit upon His throne and reign for all of eternity. See, that's the difference between Eden and the new heavens and the new earth, the eternal heaven. Where Eden, God came and walked with Adam in the cool of the day. In the new Jerusalem, in the new Eden, God is there every day, day and night. He never leaves, his presence is always there. And that's what we're headed towards. That's what we're headed towards. We're headed to that time when heaven and earth combine and God makes his dwelling place permanently here with us. We get to see him and visit him and talk to him and worship him. We look at the earth, we look at the world around us, and we see uh, death and decay. But in the new heavens and the new earth, the eternal heaven, all of that will be gone. All of that will be gone. All that will be left is life and vitality All around us. So God is. God not only plans to restore creation. He plans on returning us to Eden. Now. uh, Now it's the new Jerusalem. The holy city in which God will not just walk with his people. He will dwell with us. And be our source of light and life. He will be the source of our light. No longer need the sun or the moon or any of that stuff. And he will be our source of life as the river of life flows out from his throne. All right, that was a lot. Now we open up for questions and comments and discussion and, and all of that. I think I missed the time whenever you talked about the cloud of witnesses. Have you got, I know this is not, this is off the subject. But I've been, i just been wanting to know what really is, what about the cloud of witnesses? The cloud of witnesses? Yeah. yeah that's a different study. I know. <laughs> Are we going to have it? Are you going to ever answer that? We, we can have that uh, at a later time. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll wait. I, I, I'm not going to try. <laughs> Dig into that one tonight, but uh, yeah, we can okay, good. We, we can have a different study sometime and, and talk more about what takes place in Revelation uh, if we want to do that. So, so evidently, creation as we know it is definitely going to be changed when he says there will be no seas, as no longer any sea. That's kind of sad, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, we know right here, Yeah. it is going to be different if we're not going to have the water, the seas. Well, yeah, and let's talk about that. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to talk about that. Uh, and so that's good that you brought that up. And so the question is, how different will it be? Because scripture says there will be no more seas. Uh, and so will there not be any sea? Will there not be? Well, we know there's going to be water because the river of life is flowing out of the throne of God. So when we look at the, the book of Revelation, you have to always remember that Re- Revelation has a lot of imagery, right? It's apocalyptic literature. It's not, so, it's not always meant to be taken so literal. A lot of people try to really try to push the literal uh, aspect on the book of Revelation and you can't do that. That's not its type. That's not the kind of of genre of literature that it is it has imagery lots and lots of imagery so you have to understand what the imagery is to really grasp what the the book is saying uh, when you talk about the seas in Scripture and, and this goes back to other uh, apocalyptic type writings even in Scripture so you, you go back to the book of Daniel and the book of Daniel he talks about the four creatures that come up out of the sea uh, and of course those four creatures were, uh, let's see, it was Babylon, the Medo-Persian Empire, uh, the Grecian Empire, and then the Roman Empire. These are those great and mighty uh, empires that came up out of the sea. Now did they come up out of the sea? No, they came out of the chaos of humanity. And really, when you begin to look in in biblical literature, especially those in in that apocalyptic genre, oftentimes when it refers to the sea, it's talking about the chaos of sinful humanity. Uh, That's that's where we are, right? God made everything perfect, and we made everything chaotic. We we brought in the madness, (laughs) right? It's chaos. And so these empires rose out of the chaos uh, to take control and to come into power. And I think now this is me thinking this is my interpretation of the text there and revelation when it says the seas will be no more. I don't think it's literal that all the oceans are going to be gone Uh, because we do know because he goes on to say the river of life is there. And so there's this water flowing out of the throne, uh, throne room of God. So there's water. And so where does water go to? It usually flows into an ocean. So I think that there will be seas, there will be waters. We'll, we'll still have that because God, that was all part of God's original creation when it was very good. I think the seas there will be no more is referring to the chaos of humanity, the sinful chaos of humanity. Did that answer your question? But you know, I mean, you know, the seas. We think of the tides that rolling in and out, and it doesn't it say that there'll be no need of sun to shine by day or moon to shine by night. So if we are we having sun and moon, and then that what causes the tide to, so there may not be sun and moon. So, right? You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one of those things you kind of got to use your imagination. Uh, and and it does, you know, it, it says there's no need of sun and moon because the Lord will be the light. It doesn't say there won't be sun and moon. Uh, there may be a sun and moon. We just don't need it because we don't need it for that source of light. God is our source of light. Uh, so again you kind of with this imagery of, of apocalyptic literature you have to kind of think about all right what's the image it's what's it the image that it's using to convey a truth here and so there are, there are still a lot of those questions we got to say i don't know i don't know because uh, it is hard to understand are we going to talk about the city next year next week next some other time we're going to talk about kind of life in the new heavens and the new earth and eternal heaven. Um, the city, Jerusalem, uh, I, I hadn't planned on because that would be more along the lines of a, a study in Revelation uh, where we're really focusing on what will heaven be like. Uh, we can talk about that, though. A well, little somebody bit. told me last week we were going to have three acres, and I just wondered. You know, three acres? <laughs> <laughs> they really that, they had that. They said they were, they we're all going to have three acres. <laughs> all right. I, I don't know about all that. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three acres might not be bad.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: That's absolutely right. In the city. In the city, the streets will be made of pure gold. So none of the twenty no none of the ten karat stuff, right? They're pure gold. Very good wait for New Jerusalem to come down before we walk those streets of God. Well, if if we go on to the Lord before He returns, uh, we'll get to see them as spiritual beings in the present heaven. (laughs) It's all up in the present heaven right now. uh, And it will come down. Which really, when you start looking at the New Jerusalem, uh, it's really imaging the church right it's the New Jerusalem adorned like a bride for her bridegroom and uh, I think there will be a city but I'm not saying there won't be a city but I think really the emphasis in Revelation is not so much that it's a city it's the church it's God's bride coming down to have dominion over the earth so didn't, it, didn't the New Jerusalem described as having uh, uh, twelve gates and well, no, uh, uh, you know physical limitations like uh, 144 square miles. I mean, no uh, uh, miles. With, uh, yeah, there are the uh-huh. there are the cube the the and you look at the measurements because they he measures it all out and even there in, in Revelation he measures it all out and, and it's. Perfection, right? Right. So, what does what are, what do these perfect numbers tell us? It's perfectly complete. It's perfect in God's, according to His plan. But you're saying, so, it's not a physical dimension. It may be, it may be, but I think the I think it symbolizes something far more than the dimension. Right. the New Jerusalem is different than uh, heaven. It's part of. It's, it's heaven coming down to earth. And so it, it's part of the new heavens and the new earth. It's not it completely. Not, I don't think it's it completely. Uh, I think there's stuff that exists outside the new Jerusalem. See what I'm saying? It's the capital city. <laughs> i mean you you think about it here's the thing right because yeah our minds can't comprehend it but we tend to focus on he's telling he's talking about the bride coming down the new jerusalem the bride adorned for her husband coming down to heaven and we're focused right there but we forget there's a whole earth here and god's intention was to be fruitful and multiply in the beginning Now, there won't be any need to be fruitful anymore because God's plan is complete. The number is complete. It's perfect according to the will of God. That's why, and we'll talk about this next week. I don't want to get into too much, but uh, that's why husbands and wives will have... Our relationship's defined as husband and wife anymore. Uh, We won't won't marry or be given in marriage. We'll have relationships with our husbands and our wives, our spouses, but our relationship will be far different because uh, this is is the complete plan, right? There's no need to be fruitful and multiply, but the the, the, uh, command to go have dominion is still there. It's still present. And scripture tells us that uh, we will rule with Christ. And I think that's part of the rewards that we're going to get to, not next Sunday, but the next time that we're together, right? When we're talking about rewards, uh, it's having rule, it's having dominion over places, that, or at least some of it is. So uh, when we, the thing is, we don't want to get so focused in on the new Jerusalem, that's it, because even if you measured out those dimensions and think about all the Christians uh from Adam and Eve to us today uh we would over overfill New Jerusalem and so it goes out from there and even when you when you get into scripture and we'll see some of this next week uh when we when you look in scripture, people are bringing things to New Jerusalem to present to at the throne room of God. So they're outside bringing in to New Jerusalem. So here's what I think. And this is me thinking, right? This is my imagination. The scripture has given us the groundwork. It's laid the foundation. So God is working to bring Eden back. He's, bringing, he's working everything to, to bring creation back to very good, back to perfection. And when Christ comes, that's going to happen. It's going to be complete. And so everything that we look around us, if you want to imagine heaven, if you want to imagine eternal heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, walk outside. Look around. Imagine the world as you know it today without sin, without corruption, without idolatry, without death, without decay, Imagine the world that we're living in, because this is God's creation. Imagine the world that we are living in in absolute perfection. And that's eternal heaven. Look, God created us out of the earth, for the earth. His intention is for us to live on the earth, to have dominion over the earth. When we look at our world, everything's not going to be wiped out. It's going to be a hard surface that we just kind of wander around. No, it's going to be like this except for perfect. Trees are not going to die. Storms are not going to blow. There's no more tornadoes. There's no more enmity between us and and creation. When Adam walked with the creatures of the earth, he named them. He had a relationship with them in in some way. He had dominion over them. Uh, They didn't bite him. They didn't try to eat him up, but they were friends, you could say. Uh, He didn't have trees dying all around him. Tornadoes didn't try to kill him. All of those things, gone. But God's perfect creation back on earth, that's eternal heaven. It's not some lofty fly up, float in the clouds type of spiritual existence. No, it's a real existence. We got a body, a new resurrected body to walk the earth, to work the earth, to be productive in the earth. I'm getting into next week's a little bit. I'm sorry. But that's what we're looking at. So imagine the world as you know it, without all the stains of sin. Yes, our houses will be wiped away, and I'll say we're going to start afresh, right? Uh, All of that, all the things of of sin, all the marks of sin will be gone, but the world, the way God originally created it, that's what heaven is. That's what eternity is going to be like, and we're going to live and breathe and, and enjoy the beauty of of God's creation so here's what i think i think if you never get to make if you never make it to the grand canyon don't worry you might be able to in eternity right you might not be able to see the eiffel tower because that's a man created thing and and it kind of has the marks of sin in it so it it's probably going to be gone Uh, but you know if you want to see the grand canyon if you want to see uh all of these different, I don't know, all of these different great uh, natural sites, if you want to see them, uh, they may possibly still be here uh, in eternity. So you still might get to see them, right? If you don't see them in this life, you'll see them in eternity. Do we have uh, any memory of think, this uh, <laughs> Climbing as we know it. I don't know if that's perfect temperature, sixty-eight or seventy-two. <laughs> <laughs> Climate, as we know it, with storms and clouds, and all that's also passed away. That was absolutely, a absolutely. Uh, apparently, there are still seasons, because he does say that uh, the 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 trees give their fruit and their season. Uh, now, I don't know what those seasons are going to look like, but there, there will be no storms because the storms, that's part of the fallen creation. That's part of the futility of creation. Uh, but, you know, it seems that there might be some kind of a season that goes around and that sort of thing. So, yeah. My resurrection body can't be hot or cold. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. <laughs> uh. Other thoughts, questions What did you what did you ask while yeah When we're walking around in the new eternity, will we have any memory of the sinful world? So when we're walking around in the eternal heaven, will we have any recollection, any memory of the sinful world that's behind us? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think because I, I don't see anywhere where, you know, Moses and Elijah lost their memory because they went to heaven. So uh, I think there might be, there, there probably will be, yeah, we remember how it was before. Now look how glorious it is now. I think there probably will be. Uh, we know Jesus, he's always going to have his scars. So that's always going to be a reminder of our sin caused his scars. So I think there will be a, a, a remembering of the old sinful world, and it's going to be like, man, that was rough. <laughs> How glorious is heaven? How glorious is God's creation now? So think I we think will it will remember be. Remember people who are not there. That you, that we, we will remember people. those who. Didn't receive Christ, the loved ones who've gone to hell instead of coming to heaven. Uh, I don't know. I don't. We won't. We won't be sorry. Uh, we know that because every tear is dried, every tear is wiped away. There is no sorrow. There's no regret. All of that is gone. So I'm not sure. Uh, we might remember them we might not scripture is just not it doesn't tell us on that one so the great yes sir. that he's talking about with the rich man and Lazarus Mm-hmm. sounds like it's gonna take a lot of that away from us yeah uh which we gotta be careful and we'll talk about this some when we get to hell uh talking about our hell but uh <laughs> when we get to hell when we get to hell we're gonna talk about that <laughs> <laughs> when we get to talking about talking about what hell will be like uh of course that that's a parable so we kind of got to be careful about uh, what we take from the parable because jesus didn't we can learn some things about hell but his intention in that parable was not to teach us about hell so we kind of got all right what was he teaching teaching us about and then what else might we learn from this Uh, and the main teaching about hell is number one it's it's torment and then number two that there's a a divide there's some kind of a division between heaven and hell that that's there of course you also have to remember that that would be present heaven and present hell and so can Abraham really look down into present heaven and have these conversations I don't really think so that's not Jesus's point in that parable so I don't think there's going to be that kind of thing Uh, there's a the main thing to take away is there is that division there. Of course, the main lesson is that, is that even if you have a dead man go back and tell people about Jesus, that's not going to change their mind. Uh, there's, they need more than that. So, yeah, yeah. Talk. It's uh, Really, it's just the takeaway from hell, the takeaway about hell uh, would be the gulf between the two. That There's a division there. Uh, we can't go down to hell. They can't come up. So, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that more when we get to our discussion of hell and the future. But yeah. Eternal hell will be different. Far greater to divide, I'll say that. Yeah. In that parable, it says angels come um, and get Lazarus. Do... You Angels come and get maybe <laughs> uh, maybe maybe angels uh, the question was Does angels uh, angels come and get Lazarus and take him to heaven does angels take us all to heaven maybe uh, I, scripture doesn't really tell us a lot about that either so it's hard to take it from a parable Uh, That's about something else and say, oh, this is the way it is, right? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Maybe we just wake up and we're there. Good question, though. Any other questions, comments? All right, so when you imagine heaven... Uh, don't focus in on the description of New Jerusalem and say, oh, that's just it right there because it, it's greater than that. It, it's that. Right? There's a new city coming down. The city of God is going to be on earth. It is that. But we got the rest of the world to think about too. All of the earth is part of eternal heaven. And I, I think we're going to spread out over the earth and we're going to get to visit other places and we're going to work and we're going to do and and just like god first intended originally intended for us look at creation and think of the world today without death without decay without the stain of sin and you're going to get real close to what eternal heaven is going to be like and i don't know that fuels me right i'm fueled I long for it even more. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I want to see that day. Amen. All right, well, let's pray, and we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this vision of heaven that you give us in your word. And, Lord, we know that in so many ways we are still limited. Lord, we we have your word. We can ground what we uh, our imagination in your word, but Lord, there comes a the time we kind of gotta we just have to use our imagination the best we can. And Lord, we pray that we'd be uh, faithful not to step outside of your word in that. But Lord, I pray that you would give us a vision of eternity that our hearts may long for, just like all creation longs to see your perfect creation again. Lord, give us a vision of eternity that causes us to long, to groan for your return and when you make all things new. Oh, Lord, may we say every day with the Apostle John, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Now, Lord, we know that In this world today, there are so many who do not know you. Scripture even tells us that you won't return until every person that you've determined to call into your kingdom comes into your kingdom. So Lord, we know there's lost people out there. We know they're all around us. And Lord, we know that we need to speak truth into their life. We need to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we envision heaven, Let us long to see our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, the people around us. Let us long to see them in your glorious heaven and be inspired to to take the gospel to them. So, Lord, let us be a witness every day of your glory and of your good news in Jesus Christ. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you all.